Yes, 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 people. Hey, it's the anniversary of Apollo 11. So, thought I'd hit you with a little Apollo kids, because that's that classic Raekwon and Ghostface shit, you know? But, it's another episode of Echoes from the Void coming at you another week. Because that's how we do, baby. That's how we do. And, um, hey, there's so much crazy, man. It's another week. It's like, it seems like I start the same every fucking week because the world is blowing my mind. Blowing my mind. And especially people making stupid statements. All right, so I was, I was looking and um, looking at the news, as I do, and this, um, this fish and chip shop shut down in Leicester. Now, it shut down, which, you know, these things happen. And I'm like, why is this a fucking news story? And supposedly because the owner is like, oh, I shut because I became concerned with the environment. And I thought my business had a bad impact on the environment. I have to say, I think that's complete and utter rubbish. I think my man... Just his business crashed. His business crashed. And he the, the way he tried to, you know what I mean, frame it was just like, oh, no, 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 my business didn't crash. Hey, I decided to shut my business because I want to save the fish. I want to save the fish. That's why I'm shutting. Not because I've lost all the money and everything. No, never that. Never that. So he, you know, so he makes these ridiculous claims, right? Then when all like experts are asked, like they're like, "No, that's some ridiculous shit." Uh, you know, fish shops and a lot of the fish in the UK comes from sustainable fish farms. That's where a lot of the fishermen go fish. You mean know, it's not like. Oh yeah, people are just going crazy. And look, there were there are definitely issues with the fishing, right? Because everyone has got the quotas and certain countries fishermen aren't going with the with the quotas and are fishing in different areas and things like that. Yes, that was definitely a big thing a few years back. But I think everyone was aware of the situation with the fishing you know and so they were like getting on top of all of that so a lot of the fish does come from sustainable fish markets so um this lester marhaka you know what i mean trying to um pass the buck for his bullshit business antics come on son Come on, son. Stop with the rubbish narrative, homie. You know? And, like, because there's other things that places can do, do right? So, um, you know, there's a, a, a certification which you can go for. An MSC certification that you can put in your fish shop, right? That will say... I think it kind of shows where you're getting your fish and the whole story, 
Like one fifth, there's a, there's a spot that is quoted in this story that has done that. And they're like, yeah, some people come and ask. Not the majority don't. Majority don't give a fuck. They just want their food. But it, it, it's just like, look, you're not always going to ask the questions. But yes, people, you know, if they know that, yeah, you're, you're, you know, your place is serving food that has been obtained in different, you know, not great ways, yeah, people will definitely stop going there, but I think this is the thing, right, you have your certificates, you have all of that shit, show that, you know what I mean, you're getting your sustainable fish, everyone's cool, everyone's gravy with that, but to go, oh yeah, fish and chips are um, damaging the environment, Come on, come on, hey, that's some straight up foo foo rubbish. If you ask anyone, you know, there's a lot of things that are damaging the environment. People, people's Friday night fish and chips ain't one of those things. <laughs> you know what I mean, it ain't one of those things. Like there's plastics. There's micro, you know what I mean, micro, um, whatever it is, you know, the little balls, the little plastic balls, there's the straws, there's all of this, all of this other crazy shit, but it's not fish and chips, people, it's not sushi, that's not the issue, and if that was the issue, like, you know what I mean, if, if there was an issue, serving fish and chips isn't the problem, the, the problem is the fishermen. So that's where the thing has to stop. You know, the whole quotas. But yeah, it's just some crazy, like, some more craziness that, um, you know, I, I saw in the news. But, yo, 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 yo. So last week, last week, you know what I mean? I, I was talking about just um everything that was going down you know hey and you know it, it, about putting yourself forward and going for the things that you want and all of that and yeah so i you know what i mean i went for um a, a nice steak meal with a young lady on my birthday last week and uh yeah was it was an extremely good date. We had a good time. The food was ah, the food was exceptional. The the, the steaks were first class. So um, we went to the Benesaris Cafe. Um, so there's one in Blackheath and there's one in Greenwich. Hey, if you get the opportunity, go eat their food, man, because their food is so good, so good. So we went there. We had a great time. Um, took a nice little walk along the river, it was a great, it was a great day, you know, and it was definitely one of the better birthdays, so, um, hey, since then, hey, we, you know, we've, we've, we've had another couple of dates, which were extremely good, so yeah, everything is going well on that front, but it's kind of that crazy situation, right? So you have to um, 
Because there's always these rules, you know, I mean, like how often you should speak to someone, how often you should see someone, all of that kind of stuff. And you're thinking to yourself, I am I. Am I doing things the right way? Like, I don't want to rush this, you know, what's happening? How am I doing this year? But I, I, you know, I think the big thing is just to be honest and you know just like what do you actually want out of a situation right so i think we've had a lot of conversations you know because it's just like it's about talking and being open and stuff like that so it's just like look if a question is asked answer the question because end of the day if, if this is ever gonna work they're gonna find out everything so just be open about shit from the giddy up, you know what I mean? So that that's the thing. So it, look, I'm trying to be open with talking um, and just kind of embracing the situation, just embracing everything and seeing where it leads. I have to say, it does look promising. Does look promising. Who like? I know what's gonna happen, but um. Yeah, it's a nice little, um, it's a nice thing right now. It's a nice thing. Um, feeling good about it. So, yeah, we'll see, man. We, we will see what happens. But, um, yeah, we've we got plans. We're meeting up again this week. So, um, yeah, that's good. That's good. I've got a nice date planned for Friday. So, uh hey yeah um it's all good people it's all good all right so um now we've had that update let's get to a uh, some more news let's get to some more of that shit that's this weird stuff that's happening around the world and people there is some weird stuff happening around the world especially Especially, um, you know, when it comes to, let's hit that gender pay gap shit, right? Let's hit that now. Oh, man. Well, this is crazy. So, it came out that before, um, so before the, uh, you know, US women's, team went to the world cup they took out a um a discrimination lawsuit against the u.s soccer federation yeah yep that happened so they took out a discrimination lawsuit around equal pay Mm -hmm. so <laughs> oh man it's crazy so um yeah the the lawsuit that was filed is, is saying despite the fact that these female and male players are called upon to perform the same job responsibilities on their teams 
and participate in international competitions for their single common employer, the USSF, the female players have been consistently paid less money than their male counterparts. This is true even though their performance has been superior to that of the male players, with the female players in contrast to the male players becoming world champions. Because the the female team has won the World Cup now four times. So they won the inaugural competition in 91 in China. They won again when the US hosted it in 99. And then they won it in 2003 in Canada. As well as this year in France. So, yes, that is the complaint, which is ridiculous, all right? And it's ridiculous for the reason that female football, let's not say soccer, soccer is ridiculous, female football doesn't garner the same financial gains as male football. That is just a fact, right? So male football, um, yeah, you get huge sponsorships, huge sponsorship deals. So federations like the World Cup, the European Cup, all things like that, they can get serious sponsorship deals with organizations like McDonald's, EA Sports, you know, Ford, all things like that. The female equivalents don't get as much money. They don't get as much money. That's the thing. And where, you know, you they the US team may get good viewing figures for their games. On a whole, more people watch the male game. A lot more people watch the male game. Which is why, like, the Premier League gets huge TV deals. You know, because they know, hey, so many people are paying to watch. You know, so anyone that grabs that de- that Premier League deal, you know, Sky, BT, whoever, whoever, Virgin, you know... They will then get a huge jump in subscribers because people want to watch the games. That's how it works. So that's why the female team won't get paid the same as the male team. Because there's not as much money. Now, what you could say should happen... Is that a a, a fair scale is created, you know? So the ratio between blah and blah is X. Yo, that would be fair. So then, you know, because over time, more money will come to the female game. You know, that's just, yeah, that's just economics, man. As long as they continue to 
push it, more money will come to the game, which will then mean if you have this scale in place, the wages will go up. So you could do it like that. But I think the question is, what are you doing to increase visibility of the game? Because the World Cup is every four years, right? And you you can't just say, oh, yes, a lot of people watch the, the, the national team. Because that means nothing. You know, the amount of people that watch, like, World Cup football and then just don't watch regular football. You know, so that's not a good indication of how popular your sport is. But what are you doing for, you know what I mean, the, the, the regular game? So, like, one thing that they could do, right? So, on a match day, right? So, let's say when Arsenal are playing. So, Arsenal, they're, 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 I think over here the kickoff is usually three o'clock I believe it's three let's say three o'clock right so you have people they're buying this ticket tickets are expensive man so you're buying this ticket and it's three o'clock and you're turning up so you you've paid all this money for a ticket and you're seeing 90 minutes of football why don't they have the um Arsenal women play either before or after the game so that means you're getting two games for the price that price which would incentivize people to turn up earlier or stay later because they're getting two two games right which would then bring visibility to the game Right at the beginning, maybe uh, you're you're not having everyone turn up early, but as time goes on, more and more people are going to be coming earlier to the game. Right, and especially if you promote it properly, more and more people will be coming earlier to the game, increasing visibility, and then that's your that's your catalyst, man. And then go from there. You know, there's other ways of doing it. That's just one. But that's the that's the that's what you have to do. That's the only way you can get things to move. Because to just go, oh yeah, we won the World Cup. We should be making equal pay. It's just a ridiculous thing to say. It's a ridiculous thing to say, and they're gonna lose, and unless. Unless they get a judge that is such a fucking idiot and wants to pander to this bullshit that's happening right now, they're going to lose, you know? So this was a stupid, pointless thing. What they should be doing is sitting down going, okay, we won the World Cup, which is great, but how can we increase the visibility of the female game in the US. You know, that's what they should be doing rather than, you know what I mean? Because, like, this is a stupid thing. It's probably just a publicity gimmick. Hey, use, you know what I mean, your, your celebrity to 
have meetings and to find ways to increase the popularity. Do that. You know, do something productive, not this bullshit. Ayy. Some people, man, crazy and foolish. That's all I can say, right? That's all I can say. So, I really think people need to calm the fuck down. You know what I mean? Because people are just getting crazier and crazier. With everything going on in the world, you know what I mean? It's like people are picking up on comments that really are nothing. They have no impact on your life, but people are going crazy over it, which is ridiculous. And also, they never go after the, you know what I mean, the real thing affecting something. They'll, they'll rail at someone's comment. But no one actually goes, hey, the real issue is this. You never hear that, you know, which is crazy. So people seem to be um, jumping all over Scarlett Johansson because she made a comment about um, being like playing roles, you know. So she did an interview. And in the interview, they quoted her as saying, um, You know, as an actor, I should be allowed to play any person or any tree or any animal because that is my job and the requirements of my job. I feel like it's a trend in my business and it needs to happen for various social reasons. Yet, there are times it does get uncomfortable when it affects the art, because I feel art should be free of restrictions. I think society would be more connected if we just allowed others to have their own feelings and not expect everyone to feel the way we do. Um, so, she was just like, oh, you know what? My words have been taken out of context. Because people took that as offensive. It's really not. You know what I mean? This is the thing. It's really not offensive, people. If that is the worst thing you've heard in your day, then life is good. You know what I mean? Trust me. Life is good good, yeah, <laughs> Jesus, man, it's, it's crazy, now, she says that, as I said, look, the quote was taken out of context, um, and, you know, she, she says that she was answering a question, um, about the confirmation, the confrontation between political correctness and art and she said her actual quote was I personally feel that in an ideal world any actor should be able to play anybody and art 
in all forms should be immune to political correctness. That is the point I was making. Um, she said, albeit it didn't maybe come across. Um, she then says, I recognise that in reality there is a widespread discrepancy amongst my industry that favours course Caucasian cisgender actors and that not every actor has been given the same opportunities that I have been privileged to see but the thing is that isn't her fault like you know what I mean you can't really have a go at someone for taking a job <laughs> because it's just like why have they taken that job to pay bills like, no one really knows anyone's financial situation. So, someone took a job. Okay, fine. Now, the real issue, right? The real issue is creating a barrier-free industry. So, because this is the thing, yeah. Anyone should be able to have any job, right? But anyone should be able to apply for those jobs, you and when we say anyone, anyone that fits the criteria of the casting call, you know. So if the casting call is for you know, like a, a five foot woman, you know, a, a woman that is five eight can't throw a fit, but she didn't get the job. No. You have to fit the criteria of the casting call. That is the thing. But, you know, it, it, it's just like not all casting calls can be the same. So that's another thing. It, it, it means that films, TV, all of that need to be more diverse. But, this is the thing, not every programme needs to follow a formula okay you know what i mean i think people must agree with that you're not expecting every tv show to have okay this number of this number of this this number of this this number of this that's not how it works everything has to be organic to a story because look we all know like there's groups of friends and they're all one ethnicity. Do you know what I mean? Because you grew up in the same neighborhood and the people in that neighborhood are blah, blah, blah. That's fine. So if you made a TV or show about them, them in that particular space are going to be that. You can't then throw in a token blah and a token blah and a token blah. That's just stupid. But what you can do is when you have that group of friends, say, leave that that area, then you add the diversity. Then you add the different stuff. Because, yes, we have pockets in different places. Like where I grew up, there was, you read, there was no black people. You could count the amount of black people on one hand, you know, 
and you weren't counting to five. <laughs> you feel me? But if you were going to, or should I say when, when we make my life story, I ain't going to change that shit because that's just stupid. And it's falsifying what we know. But this is the thing, when when I ventured out of that bullshit area, then you see more diversity. So this this is the thing, right? Anyone should be able to play anyone. We just remove the barriers. We move the barriers so like minorities, disabled, you know what I mean like LGBTQ, whatever the fuck you are doesn't matter there are jobs out there for you that is the thing so let's not jump on scarlet Johansson. yo it is kind of redundant and stupid and anyone making a comment hey just shows you ain't got shit else happening in your life motherfucker you need to calm down and go get yourself a hobby for real Okay, so I'm gonna. There's something I saw on Huffington Post, right? So um, there's a there's a show on Netflix, and it's 13 Reasons Why. I've not seen it. I've been told it's good, but I've not seen it. But I have seen that they've removed a suicide scene that was in season one. Um, and we're now in season three. Right, season three is just about to drop. But they've removed this scene. And everyone's like coming out going, oh, that's so good. We welcome them taking this down. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and, and people going, oh, with this, you know, we, we always felt that this scene could encourage people to take their own lives. Listen, right? Listen, people. If we do not see shit, people are going to believe that, hey, the world is this sugar-coated fucking place. We can't, you know what I mean, just put padding over everything, okay? So, listen, right? Some people might not like it. That's why there are warnings in front of shows like this could contain scenes that may worry people. Now, if you're concerned about certain scenes, why not just have, like, in the top corner, a a dot will appear to indicate, A, coming up is something you might not want to see, okay? Or you could enable... Tones on something so it makes a beep once when it starts, makes another beep so you can then turn back and look at the screen. Or you could add a feature that will take out harrowing moments. You know, and that's there for people that don't like to see certain things. But but to remove it completely, it just it feels like we are going 
backwards. It feels like it's defeating the purpose. You know, because the purpose is to show life as it really is. You know? Like, and some shit is gritty. Some shit ain't great. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think suicide is? It's a call for help. It's people at their fucking lowest not knowing what to do. It's clumsy. It's not meant to be pretty. It's not meant to be beautiful. It's not meant to warm your heart. That kind of shit is going to make you feel uncomfortable. Is going to make you wonder what the fuck is going on. But that's the point. Because, you know, when, when you read like Shakespeare and stuff like that, it's kind of romanticized. Like, and they took their own lives. Oh, the end. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's kind of romanticized in a lot of things. So we need to be able to see the full consequences of something. Either, like if they show a scene of someone doing it and then regret thinking at the last moment, oh fuck, what have I done? Good. Show that. Because that happens. People swallow tablets and then think, fuck, actually, I just wanted people to hear me. I don't actually want to die. You know, so show that because that will make people think that will make people go, okay, I don't actually want to kill myself. I just want people to hear me. Then at the end of the program, you list numbers people can call. You know, it's about starting the conversation. Don't close all the fucking doors so no one can hear it. That just seems weird to me. You know? I don't know. Fuck. It's just... Hey. You know, there's a lot of people out there feeling away, man. So... To kind of... I don't know. It just feels like... That's just being pushed down, pushed down for a sanitized view at something. Like it's like, oh, they've now cut the scene. So it then goes to the parent's reaction to the scene. That's fine. But you want to see the person's reaction as well. That's important. That's more important than just showing the reaction to because we see that that's nothing new we see that now yes we always need to include that because when people sometimes when people understand the impact that you know what I mean them taking their own life will have on the people around them that can give people pause. So yes, that's important too. But I feel it's more important to see the actual ramifications of someone doing it. You know? 
because I feel that will give people pause. And really, people, people, if someone watching someone kill themselves is going to make someone else kill themselves, no. That person who then kills themselves, they were always going to. They were always going to. It's not like you watch something and think, oh, you know what? Wasn't even on my wasn't even on my radar, but now I'm gonna kill my No, that doesn't happen. You're in a dark fucking place. You've always been in a dark fucking place. Jeez. It's just like some people it just feels that there's no real idea. You know? They don't like something, so they're gonna voice it and go, oh, that shouldn't be allowed. You know, that makes me uncomfortable. Fuck you. It's not about you, motherfucker. It's about trying to help all the other people. So, yeah. You know what I mean? We we need to get out of this sanitized bullshit and actually depict what's happening to people in this world. You know? Hey, well, that's just my thoughts on that. You know, if you have something to say, hey, leave a comment, man. Leave a comment. Leave a voice message. We'll play it in the in a future episode. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's just my thoughts, baby. Just my thoughts. Okay, so last week, um, there was uh someone at the National Portrait Gallery, right, calling for them to stop their their sponsorship with bp well this week hey same shit different day um (laughs) one of the trustees of the british museum has stepped down because she um believes that their uh their their sponsorship deal with bp is despicable right so um she thinks that yeah they they shouldn't do it they, they, they you know they, they they should look for someone else which it, it, it's it's a crazy situation right so you know she believes that um because BP sponsor many of the exhibitions at the British Museum. Like this year they sponsored Troy Myth and Reality. Which was a great exhibition. It's a great exhibition right. So she sponsored that. They sponsored that. And she's like oh. They could attain that sponsorship somewhere else. But see this is the thing that always gets me. With with these they're not even discussions really but people um you know make these claims that oh yeah the the these this organization should get rid of this organization as their sponsors you know they can find sponsorship somewhere else they never offer up an alternative though right so the thing is right if you weren't happy with bp as a sponsor but you came and said, listen, um, 
you know, I've, I've spoken to a few people and, you know, we're, we're not really comfortable with BP being a sponsor. But, hey, Lego have said that they would come on board as a sponsor. And, um, you know, BP are giving us, what, 50,000? Lego said they'd give us 60. You know what I mean? So, hey, better sponsor and more money. And they'll commit for 10 years. That's, yeah. That's what they said. You know, if, so, if if these people that are resigning came with that, that's a different thing, right? That's a different conversation, you know? But that's not what happens. They're just like, oh, well, you should get sponsorship somewhere else. Oh, you're not? Right, I'm quitting. Which, which is kind of just moronic. Because this is the thing. The, the government has cut its funding to the arts. Cut its funding to the arts. This happens a lot. So, a lot, you know, like as a kid, right, museums and galleries, they were, you, you had to pay for them. Then all of a sudden, like the funding comes and they're like, okay, we're going to make it all free. Which really did act as a boon for these organisations because more and more people flocked to see, you know, their exhibitions, their works, everything like that. So I think it then meant that they made more money through donations and stuff like that. Now, a lot of that funding has been cut over the years, which has meant smaller um, galleries and museums have had to start charging again a lot of the time or some have even closed right so this is a fact you know this is something that is happening so then to have people go oh you should get funding from a better organize like who who because i tell you now right there's not a whole heap of people trying to throw money at the arts. There's just not. <laughs> it's like, where are these ethical organisations? Where are these ethical organisations who are sponsoring a whole gang of stuff? Because, you know, when like these arguments come up, you never hear one of these organisations saying, oh, if um, the the National Portrait Gallery needs a sponsor, we'd happily step in. You know, if man book, you know, if the, um, you know, there's a South Bank need a new sponsor for the man booker, we'd happily step in. If the British Museum needs it, we'll happily never hear it, right? You never hear it. Because there's no one doing it. So, like, these, like, up their own ass people either come with a solution or shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Fine, step aside. But stop with the whole, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going because, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. Because I bet. I bet these people use BP oil 
And if they don't use BP oil, they use one of the other oil companies. And all the oil companies, they're all the same. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to break it down, there's not really an oil company better than the others. Like, Shell. Shell have got, like, pipelines that are just open and exposed, causing fires and havoc throughout, like, Africa and Nigeria, you know? So, they're not better than BP. So, which oil company are you using to fill your car? If you've got an electric car, fine. But, um, I bet you haven't. Yeah, I bet you haven't. So, when they're make it, trying to make their big claims that they're, oh, yeah, they're all for the, they want to help the environment and blah, blah, blah. So, are you traveling on planes? Are you going on holiday? Are you traveling? Are you traveling on planes? So, that's not great for the environment. Right? So, what other shit are you doing? You know what I mean? You want to break down these the way these people live, I can guarantee that they're, they're doing enough grime on the environment themselves. So stop the self-righteous bullshit. Because if if you really want, you know, the, these art foundations to get rid of their sponsors, that's really going to fuck things up for the general public. You know, that's going to stop... The ability of a lot of people being able to go and enjoy art and culture and all this stuff. So that's kind of selfish. It's very selfish. Now, these people, because these people, they're never poor people making these claims and demands. They're all people from an affluent background. Now, they may not always have been from an affluent background. I'm not saying that. But they've got one now. So they can afford these things now. But there, you can. But don't take things away from people that can't. Right? That's what I'm saying. So, hey, come with a solution. Or just just ease back. Ease back, son. That's what you need to do. Alright? Okay, so... I've, I've, you know, I think I've called him out before, but, you know, it, it's happened again, right, so, well, and it's partly, it's, it's the BBC's fault as well, it's definitely the BBC's fault, but they, so they put a clip up on the website, um, that, that's from Reggie Yates' TV series, Black Renaissance, Reggie Yates in Hollywood, you know, so they put this little clip up of him talking to um, Lena Waif. I know I butchered that name, but um, yo, so she's you know she's a she she's um a writer. She's um you know, B, she stars in, and I think she, she was a co-creator on, um, Master of None with Aziz, um, she's also been in a lot of TV, and produced films, and the like, so, um, she was in Ready Player One, 
She's like produced stepsisters, dear white people. She's a director on and a writer on Save Me, um, Queen and Slime, Lady Ladylike. You know, being like what she's um created the Chi. You know, she's been on a lot of stuff written with a lot of stuff but you know so the clip is reggie talking to her and it's like so it's just talking about black people in hollywood right and the fact that roles and stuff and and things like that and so reggie is asking oh what do you think has changed you know, why do you think there's more black people on TV right now, right, but it's just like, the way he asks the questions, like, he's not, he never asks proper questions, you know, I mean, questions that, like, he only asks the things that will get the, the one-sided answer, and that's my issue with him. He is a terrible interviewer. Because the interviews only ever really give one side. This just comes off fake. That's my thing. So Leanne, Leanne, Leanna, I, you know, this this lady, Lee, L-E-N-A, that's Lena. I think it's Lena. Let's say Lena. Um, you know, she's just like, look, there's plenty of comedies, which is true, which is true, but she's just like, the only real dramas are, like, Power, The Chi, and Empire, and, you know what I mean, there, there needs to be something like Game of Thrones, where everyone's watching, but I'm just like, look, like, it, 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 that stuff has to be written. Like, is firstly, is anyone writing that stuff, right? And secondly, shit's going to take time, right? But, but you you have to look at things. So Black Panther, you couldn't have made Black Panther 10 years ago, right? Everyone knows that. And look at it now. The fact it destroyed at the box office and black panther transcended race transcended race you know every like people went and watched that film and everyone took something from that film because it wasn't necessarily a black film like you look at a lot of stuff that was written back in the day and it's only written for a very niche audience so when something's written for a very niche audience, you you can't really expect it to catch fire. Sometimes things do. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes things do. But you can't expect going in is going to catch if you're writing for a niche audience. And the thing with Black Panther, Black Panther was written... It was just a good story. 
it was just a good story and that story featured a whole gang of black people right but it wasn't just black actors it was black writers it was black producers it was black grips it you know what I mean it was black casting it was black costume creators it was black editors that was the big thing that was the powerful thing about that so you want a game of thrones right so to do that don't expect people just to be like oh okay here you go like people need to create their own shit right but we need to get rid of the barriers and get people in to these other roles in hollywood so it's not just in front of the character but people behind the character writers and everything like that and then also think to yourself like oprah's oprah's got her own channel like um the 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 the, the lady that did um shonda rhimes shonda rhimes i believe that's right she's got the huge deal at netflix or amazon one of the two but you had these people in power hey they you mean it's that for them to use that power so hey you know what i mean you don't expect the industry just to jump up and go here you are but reggie stop asking fucking stupid one-sided questions then sitting there smirking like a fucking idiot because that's ridiculous it's ridiculous and it's frustrating because you're lazy so i think it's just laziness but hey if you like that you, it's fine i don't care because i don't i'm not gonna watch it you know because that's what i feel of it but if you like it hey that's all you man that's fine i'm not gonna stop you hey i'm not even gonna say reggie shouldn't have his program reggie should have his program reggie needs to eat reggie can do his thing but hey i i would just rather do it differently you know what i mean if you ask me but that's me and hey it's about creating platforms to talk and share different views right that's what we're doing people that's what we're doing yo well that wasn't a bad evening i'm just back from somerset house where i was able to catch the internet so this was the opening night of the summer series which has been going on gosh man it's been going on for a good old while at least i'd say at least 15 years but i think probably a bit longer than that um so yeah every july for 11 days um a load of different acts come and perform at Somerset House. Now, so it takes place in the Edmund J. Safara Fountain Courtyard. Um, 
and there's a load of um fountains i think there's meant to be 55 in in this courtyard and they turn them off supposedly y'all can get 3000 people up in that um which yeah i guess it's a big old it's a well it's we it's the space is weird because it's big but it kind of doesn't feel that big when you're there which is always a nice thing you know what i mean um so yeah they put this they put this on every year and um it's it's really cool i've i've been going for man i don't even know the last good few years you know what i mean so catching some good music and so yeah i was able to um see the internet last night well tonight well last night i guess <laughs> you know when you get past midnight i guess although you know what i mean um so they're a los angeles band um featuring sid matt martins patrick page christopher smith and steve lacy it's kind of r&b hip-hop jazz funk electronic music kind of hybrid they got four albums um yeah four albums man you know so you've got um where do we start i guess ego death um feel good uh purple naked ladies and the most recent is hive mind um, which is cool, Eagle Death, Ego, sorry, Ego Death was nominated for a Grammy, you know what I mean, a few years back, um, and, like, so the band came out of, uh, Odd Future, so, I mean, Yo, Odd Future were a, they were a beast when you think about it. Like, the people that have kind of come from that. You know, Tyler, the creator, Frank Ocean. Frank motherfucking Ocean. Where is that third album? You know what I mean? That's the question, right? But yeah, so they kind of spawned from Odd Future. And um, they've been doing their thing ever since. Which is... Yeah, it's kind of funky, it's cool, it's not bad. I mean, I did, I, they came out um, for Anderson Pack last year, I think it was, I saw him. Yeah, and they came out, and that was cool. Yeah, I mean, they just did one little, one little thing with him. So, yeah, that was alright. But, um, I, you know what I mean? I I kind of figured it's like you know be fun because I go Somerset House you know I go see music there every year. This was like the only like there was a few that was kind of interest that could I thought yeah that could be interesting, but you know ticket prices boy they've gone up over the years right. So I just thought you know what let me go catch this one. Um, and just kind of, you know what I mean, end that birthday week well, 
so yeah, I, I, I popped down, caught them, um, and yeah, they, they played some of the big, some of the songs that you really want to hear, you know what I mean, like um, Under Control, Just Saying, you know what I mean, that, 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 that stuff, which is, yeah, you know what I mean, Game Over, La Di Da of Hive Mind. You know what I mean, this is the stuff that you're like, yeah, cool. Yeah, I wanted to hear that. That was good. Um, it was busy. It was definitely, definitely busy. The weather held out, which was nice. Um, the sound, it was a bit, well, see, the thing is, right, I don't, like, Sid has got a nice voice, but it's not the strongest of voices. So, I, I, you know what I mean? I think there's, you really need to see them probably in a real small venue to really kind of get it. Or just be right up the front to really get it. Because, yeah, I don't think she's got the strongest of voices to really kind of carry and the sound system has to be really good which is always difficult when you're in an outside venue so um yeah you know but it was cool like uh like Lacey did stuff from his solo um his solo album and um I think Matt Martins did something of his solo album. And that stuff was interesting. That stuff was cool. So yeah, it like it wasn't a bad gig. It was it was nice. It was nice it was a nice vibe. The sound. Like because they've got this kind of funky, eclectic sound. So that was hey, it was a real good venue to see them in because you had that. And then you had this backdrop of the, this great architecture and the sun's going down. And yeah, so that was cool. Like, yeah, I mean, the only the only drawback is Sid's voice, essentially. And that's when she's singing. When she was just talking to people, that was fine. But yeah. It's like when you ha don't have a powerful singing voice, when you sing, the singing voice is always quiet. It's always soft, which is fine in a small place. It's fine on a CD, you feel me? But it's just, it gets a little problematic when it's live. But yeah, it, it, was, it was still a nice evening. I just rocked up solo. You know what I mean? Had a little, had a cool time on my J's. It's it's an easy trip, so yeah, that was it was fun. It was a fun evening. It was a nice evening. Um, but yeah, not going to any of the other, the other dates, as I, as far as I know. You know what I mean? Like, if there's tickets, maybe I, I, I pop to something else. But I don't... I probably won't, to be honest. Yeah, I probably won't. But, um... Hey, you know what I mean? It was, it was worth an outing. So, 
it was all good. It was cool. Yeah. But uh, we'll see what the rest of the week brings. You know what I mean? All right. On to the next. Yo, so. um, Yeah, this week we had UFC on ESPN 13. Uh, Durandame against Lad taking place from Sacramento. Uh, and in the co-main event, yo, it's the return of Uriah Faber. So, like, the big question is, is Lad up for the challenge? This is her first main event. You know, she's looked really good in the UFC. But she hasn't fought as long and the strength and competition as Durandame. And then the other one is, the last time the UFC was in Sacramento was two years ago. When Uriah Faber made his last appearance in the Octagon. He's been out for two years, he was retired, so he's coming back. Now, he's facing Ricky Simone, who um maybe not in the top 10, but he's, he's 14 years um, Faber's junior He's young He's hungry He's an up and comer in the UFC And he's on uh, I think a 6 fight run um, So Can Faber Actually mount a challenge That was the big thing Coming into this card Hey And you know what I mean I don't think the card is As great as the last few but it still had some really good fights and um yeah some interesting moments there was controversy on this one definitely controversy on this one but to find out everything hey go to the bonus content um and check out episode two of chin check all right cool Okay, so people, if you don't know, I'm a huge history buff. Well, I mean, I like history. Actually, I did want to be an archaeologist back in the day when I was at school. Until it was pointed out to me, how are you going to see the bones? (laughs) Just destroying digs and shit. But, I digress. Um, So, you know, I often like to watch a nice little documentary, learn a little something, you know what I mean? Um, And so, I decided to watch an interesting piece on Netflix. And the crazy thing is, right, so in the UK, we don't watch baseball. We don't have baseball. They just had the... um, Yankees and the Sox over. I don't actually know how big that did. You know, if it really kind of made a splash. Like, I saw plenty of people over. You know what I mean? In the uniforms and shit. Going to the game and all. But there wasn't... I didn't see much just random talk about it. So, I don't know. I don't know. But... I'm always open to learn, 
So I checked out the uh, unauthorized Bash Brothers experience to learn a little about this game that all you Yankee Doodles love. And extremely informative. Extremely informative. Like, I, the first thing I learned was, his name is Jose! And he's Mark. <laughs> God damn it, that was half an hour of fun! Yes! No, that was, hey, the Lonely Islands crew, like, sometimes they hit and miss, you know what I mean? But this was a straight up hit. Yeah, it's just like, hey, it was funny, man. And you learn a lot. Like, Jose had a room with a sofa and a room with a chair. Had a picture with Alf. You know what I mean? Just like, I didn't know that before I watched this. Crazy, right? Some of it, though, was a little contradictory. I have to point that out. Because at one point, they're saying, hey, you, you should lift a tire to get in shape. But then they're saying, ditch the weights and all that shit and just lift up girls in bikinis. So I'm a little confused. I mean, tomorrow I'll probably have to go to the gym, lift a tire with one arm and a bikini girl with the other. I don't know. I'm going to see how that goes. Hopefully, you know what I mean? It doesn't fuck shit up because I'm committed to this now. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, the, the songs were funny. Um, just not too serious, you know what I mean? Like ridiculous, but not too ridiculous. So it, it, it hit that nice little sweet spot. I, I really liked, um, the bit at IHOP, we have the Veil Girls, uh, which was funny, man. Like, I didn't expect to see the Hain Girls there. So that was like, whoa, interesting. And Maya Randolph, Maya Randolph. Ah, she's great, isn't she? You know what I mean? Always funny. So yeah, that, that little sequence was funny. It was, yeah, it was just kind of, it was just that little thing that you need. And, I, like, the timing was perfect. Because I think half an hour, yeah, that was spot on. Anything longer, mm, you'd be like, okay, I'm probably done now. But, yeah, half an hour is the money. That, that was on point. So, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Um, so, I mean, if you haven't seen it or you don't know, uh, you know what I mean? So, like, the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience, It's a vis it was kind of put out as a visual poem. Uh, it's directed by Mike Diva and Akiva Schaefer. Uh, it's starring Schaefer and Andy Samberg as Mark Maguire and Jose Conseco. Um, yeah, and 
See, what I didn't realise was that Conseco and Maguire, who were known as the Bash Brothers, put out this rap album. Boom! You know what I mean? Another little thing I didn't realise. So, yeah, this is a rap album around the, the 1980s kind of experience while playing for the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> because it's the 30th anniversary of the of the um athletics. I think they're the A's, right? Winning the championship in 89. So yeah. It's uh another little bit of history for your people. But um yeah, a lot of fun. It's on Netflix. I I would definitely say go check it out. Hey, Sterling K Brown. He he pops up as Sia. <laughs> hey, yeah, definitely worth checking out. And there's an album to go with it if you like the songs. So, um, people, it's the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience on Netflix from the Lonely Island crew. Go some joke okay so this week I um went back to the laundry uh, I picked up the annihilation score which is the sith book in Charles Strauss's laundry files it was read by um Carolina Guthrie and um you know with book Five with the way that one ended, it was all um yeah I, I I think it was all up in the air right you know the um book five was the raucous chark and we had the the vampire infestation and you had Bob become the eater of souls and it, it then ended with them Bob and Mo not knowing what to do because with this new power the violin now wanted to kill Bob so it was a bit like oh what's gonna happen next yeah and so with this new book the annihilation score it was interesting because we now had a book that was coming from like strictly only the point of view of of Mo um which we'd not seen before now in previous books they involved both Mo and Bob so you had both point of views which was always interesting which was all which which created an interesting dynamic um this one was different, but before I get right into it, this is, you know, this is what it's about. So, in this science fiction spy thriller by Hugo Award winning writer Charles Stross, 
the laundry, the British secret agency that fights supernatural threats, must team up with the police force with one unfortunate secret agent caught in the middle playing with danger. Dr. Mo O'Brien is an intelligent agent at the top secret government agency known as the Laundry. When occult powers threaten the realm, they'll be there to clean up the mess and deal with the witnesses. But the Laundry is recovering from a devastating attack and when average citizens all over the country start to develop supernatural powers, the police are called in to help. Mo is appointed an as official police liaison but in between dealing with the police bureaucracy super-powered members of the public and disgruntled politicians Mo discovers her horror what well, discovers to her horror that she can no longer rely on her marriage nor on the weapon that has been at her side for eight years of undercover work the possessed violin known as Lecter. Also, a mysterious figure known as Dr. Fraudstein has started sending threatening messages to the police. But who is he and what is he planning? So, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, it, it was a different take on things because... Yeah, this book was um, strictly from the point of view of um, of Mo, uh, and also you know with the whole like super powered thing and working with the police, the thing I liked about it was it wasn't just like oh this is happening oh and we've created this new force blah 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 we, you it actually delved into what it would take to do that to set up this new iteration and um you know we don't see that a lot you know seeing the actual kind of aftermath of something seeing the fallout of a situation like the last time I, I believe I came across something similar was with um Brian McKellen's Powder Mage trilogy where you had um you know the fallout of revolution and that was fantastic loved it if you haven't read Brian McKellen's books people you definitely need to check those out but yeah so I, I thought that was really interesting to, um, you know, see this situation play out. Um, the the only thing was, though, unfortunately, like, well, although it was interesting, it did seem to drag a bit. It did seem to drag. And... I don't know, like, where in previous books, like, Carolina, you know, she voiced Mo, but, you know, because Bob was in the book as well, and other things, it wasn't just her alone, and, oh, it's gonna sound bad, but I, I, I did find her voice a bit grating, I did find it a little bit grating, 
for the whole narration. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what it was. But, yeah, it, it was just a bit much, I thought. And as I said, look, it just got a bit, it got a bit tiresome. And then there was things happening in the book, like, you know, as it mentioned in the blurb, you then had this situation with the marriage. Now, as I said, look, book five ended with this new predicament and you're just like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? But now in the book, it's just like, oh, the marriage has been on the rocks for ages and blah, blah, blah. And it's just a bit like we've not, you know, we've not come across that. So it was just all out of the blue, suddenly, oh, yeah, the ma- there was problems with the marriage and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, oh, where the fuck did that come from? Which then you knew what was then going to happen, you know, later on in a book. It was just like, by including that, you knew, oh, okay, uh, obviously, yeah, there's, there's potential dalliances going to occur, which is a bit like, eh, like, if you want to include them, fine, but just have them, have them as a bit where, you know, maybe she's just like, ah, I can't be around Mo, uh, with Bob, and I miss Bob, like, I miss the physicality of our relationship, oh, I'm a little swayed, have that, because there's been moments in the series where Bob has had, you know, people try and seduce him. And, you know, it's always been interesting to see, you know, his reaction to that situation. So I, I think it would have been possibly better just to do it like that without then including this whole supposed marriage issue that we've not come across before. But, you know, it was, it is what it is. Um, Like, the end of the book was good. I enjoyed the end of the book. It was, there was, yeah, it's just that there was stuff within the middle that, I don't know. For me, it just felt like it dragged. It dragged. There was just a little too much. I don't know if it was the procedural stuff or it was just stuff that just didn't seem to be going anywhere. You know, because it did seem to be a lot of that. Like, incidents that were like, oh, where's this going to lead? Oh, it's not really leading anywhere. Okay. All right, fine. So, yeah, I I don't know. There was that. So, I don't think this is the strongest book in the series. I, it's, it's, you know, it's not terrible. But, yeah, I it's definitely not my favourite definitely not, I mean, it's probably the one I like the least, but, yeah, I've definitely read worse, I mean, it does make me wonder about Seven, you know, I don't know if I'd be interested in reading another book that's solely about Mo, because it just didn't seem as interesting as when it's about both characters, so, um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I, you know, I've, I will probably pick up book seven, but maybe, uh, you know, down the line, we'll see, we'll see what happens, hey, 
if Audible have a sale on, then, you know, I'll pick it up straight. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, it, look, if you're a fan of the series, you'll want to read it because it does play to the series and it give you some certain information. So, yeah, you'll, you'll want to pick it up. And, you know, you might like it more than I did. It, that's, that's a possibility. You know, obviously, you, people don't always have the same taste and everything. But, yeah, you know, if, if you're a fan of the series, pick it up. Um, yeah, I think if you if you liked reading Brian McKellen's Power Mage series and, like, having someone deal with, you know, the fallout of a situation, then, yeah, you might like this as well. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, as, as usual, I got it on Audible UK, so I imagine it will be on the other versions of the website, but it's the Annihilation Score, book six in the Laundry File series from Charles Stross, narrated by Carolina Guthrie. Okay, people. So, yes, we're drawing to the end of another episode. So, just a little bit of um, TV news before we bounce. Um, so, first up, um, it seems that David Kolstad, who um, is known for writing the John Wick films, has come on board the writing team for um, the upcoming Falcon and Winter Soldier limited series from um, Marvel Studios for the new Disney Plus streaming service. Which is, um, yeah, that's not bad news, man. Like, we've we already knew... That um, the series was going to be, um, you know, con- like having a lot of like tie into the films um, that uh, Carrie Scotland was going to be directing all six episodes. You know, Emily Van Camp is returning as Sharon Carter. Daniel Brühl will be there as Helmut Zumo. So, um, I think this is just another, like, thing that shows that, yeah, this should be a tight, a tight series, you know. Um, And I think the big thing about it is, like, it's six episodes. So, six episodes is good. Because, I think, one of the big problems with some of the Netflix series is were the 13 episodes like the Daredevil ones were pretty consistent you know I think Daredevil was the strongest of the series is um, though the first season of um, Jessica Jones was tight um, first season of Punisher was tight but you know, you could go eh, maybe lose one episode, maybe two episodes of some. As we went on, like 
you know, especially with the last season of Jessica Jones, I felt that could have lost at least three episodes. You know, if that was nine, ten episodes, that would I think that would have been a lot better. So it's it's a good sign that these are going to be six episode series, and also that they're tying into the films. So um, yeah, it's gonna come probably around August next year, and it should be the first of um. The series that will include Hawkeye, Loki, and Wonder and Vision. So, uh, yeah, that is extremely promising and good news. And um, something that I thought was already a known deal was Amazon is going to be the home of the new Jack Reacher TV series. Like, I don't know. I, I, I thought it had already been announced. Or maybe I just made the assumption. But yeah. That's going to be... Um, that's going to be the thing, man. So, um, Lee Child is bringing his... Um, he, he's bringing his, uh, you know, beloved character to the streamer. Which is, uh, yeah, you know, I think that could be that could be promising. I think when you see the success of um, like Bosch, it kind of made sense to do this, and also Jack Ryan. I think Jack Ryan is one of those things. It didn't quite work in the film form, but the TV series is supposedly going from strength to strength. So, like the films of Jack Reacher, like the I think the first one was okay, second one was pretty terrible. But they they just didn't really seem Jack Reacher because Tom Cruise is nothing like Jack Reacher, right? So there was always that disconnect. So I think, and taking a book and making it to a film is always harder. Whereas making it a TV series, you can give it the room to breathe, you know. So I, I think this could be promising. Um, it's going to be. Uh, I, I think it's going to be written and um, kind of run by Nick Santora, and part of the deal is that this is going to be straight to series. So, um, yeah, that's pretty, um, you know, that's pretty promising. No word when it will actually drop, um, and no real word on, like, the episode count or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's gonna be stuff that will be interesting to find out and also i think the big thing who are they gonna cast as um who they're gonna cast as uh as reacher but um yeah people um i think we are uh yeah we are pretty much done on another on another episode so um 
yeah, we will see you again next Wednesday. Leave you with this. And I'm Mark.